Good evening. Welcome to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host and homeboy, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Patwin Lawrence. That would be Patwin Lawrence over What's there. What's up? Welcome. Yeah. It is July the 27th. And I'm closer to vacation. Oh, get out of here. Get out of here. No, just Actually, rub- I would be on there if I hadn't moved out. I would be there now. But. Just rub it in. Why not? Yeah, why not? Well, no, you're going on vacation, so yeah. we're gonna, you'll be off the next two Saturdays, next correct? Next two Saturdays, So yeah. I'll be, there'll be co-hosts filling in. Try not to burn down the house. I know. I'm no. going to try not to. Gonna, no, you know what? Next, uh, next Saturday, I'm just going to turn down the light. I'm going to put on some candles. I don't know. Okay, that, that sounds weird. I know. I have a smelling all good. Because what you use is there's no scent in here when you come in here. So you didn't have to have some, you know, got to smell like your house. Oh, okay. You know. Chicken? Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Jeez, thank you. Chicken? Or like grits or something? <laughs> you know? Neck bone? <laughs> you have to dress when you leave so you don't smell like ham hocks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, you know what? Check it out, Pat. When, you know, uh, uh, today we got a good show. We got a really packed show. Politically packed we show. We do. Today. We do. And that's We've got what, two candidates coming on. That's what we do. That's what we do. We keep it real. One Democrat, one Republican. One Democrat, one Republican. Yeah. Yeah, the Democrat actually wants to come on. <laughs> yeah, you know, I know, I know, I know. The Democrats are scared, and I don't know why. I mean, do they not know who I am? I mean, I got a, I'm a big mouth ass Democrat that, that 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 loves his party. They're afraid, and will protect you. Come on, the Republicans. But we like, ask. Sure. But the point is, we ask serious and hard questions we do. here. We, do. we don't give you those softball questions like yeah. most mo- mo shows do. You That's know, right. on and both sides. On both, both sides. sides. No, I'm yep. just saying. Mo- I said most show. I don't oh. care what show. You know, yep. you just don't get asked softball. I might forget sometimes because I forget my notes. Like today, I'm excited <laughs> for me and my kids to get out and when we after the show. And, yeah, and family day. Yeah. So I forget my notes like I did today. But uh, other than that, no, I mean, so I might forget some questions I asked that some yep. people get mad about. But no, I we ask the hard questions here on the show. We do. Yeah. So do we want to bring up our first guest? Absolutely. Absolutely. Our first guest is someone we were supposed to have a debate with here today. So we ha- we wanted to have started a series of debates with each and every candidate. So we, yes. be, uh, we here at Black Republican, Black Democrat, have extended an offer to a lot of the candidates. Mm-hmm. Uh, have not heard back from some, and a few have just flat out said no. Mm-hmm. No. So those people, you won't get our votes. Okay, yeah, that's, that's right. When you duck us, yeah. you know, you don't get our votes. And so there are some that have that I have the courage to not only... Uh, uh, participate uh, in today's debate that was supposed to be, but uh, just debates, period. So right. we want to welcome right now uh, Democratic candidate for the United States Senate, Richard Payne. How are you today? Ms. Payne. Oh, did you hit no? Did I, no, that wasn't me. Technology. Uh-oh. Let's, <laughs> let's, uh, Mr. Payne. We'll try this again. Uh-oh. Technology. We'll put it on hold. That. Let's see. Okay. Technology. Okay. Uh yeah, Pat, when you look a little, it's it's okay. Yeah, it is okay. <laughs> it is. I'm just so, wondering what's going on. Well, but, you know, technology. I think. Yeah. Maybe, um, did we disconnect? Though? But I think that uh, <laughs> I think that when you when candidates run from debates, yeah. and run from their constituents, that's right. You know, are they deserving of? Uh, uh, Absolutely not. Uh, because why are why Trump are you... a pure approval rating in Wisconsin is fifty two percent? Yeah. Uh, why are why are we afraid of or why 32. are people afraid, you know, to debate if you are a part of that system and you're running for office, you should be able to uh <laughs> be able to, you know, get in the get in the get in the ring. No doubt about it. And so somebody that I know that doesn't uh the de- debates is Mr. Payne. Mr. Payne, how are you? 
I'm doing very well. Good, good, Ready good. for debate. Do you have Senator Smith on the other line? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Like she's uh would debate. We asked, again, we... Uh, uh, I heard she's ready to debate me anytime. Yeah, right. right. Well, she's knocking on doors, yeah. too. Remember, yeah. she's uh, knocking on doors. I think... In, in greater Minnesota, but I haven't seen her in the hood. And I think that's important that yes. candidates need to come to the inner cities and that's ask right. for uh, votes uh, and not just uh, rely on the fact that most of us are Democrats, you know, or, uh, you know, and, and think that it's a statewide a, office. You need to knock on everybody's absolutely. door. I mean, and you, you won't get to all of them, but I think yep. that you need to hit those populations that's and have right. those meet and greets. Right, Mr. Painter. And you've been doing that and you plan to do that uh, even more so. Right. Well, absolutely. I, I want to help everybody in this state. And the problem we have right now is the Republican Party is way off the deep end and, uh, you know, running around with racist rhetoric and the rest of it. It's crazy with what Trump's doing. So the problem that African-Americans and many other people are in is that, you know, Democrats are just going to take the vote for granted and mm-hmm. say, well, we just need to run around everywhere else in greater Minnesota, wherever. We, we won't pay attention to you, and then we'll come back in November and ask for your vote. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that makes sense. We've got to focus on the issues. Um, and, you know, what What really, uh, what, you know, what's the impact on people's lives of decisions made by the federal and the state government? Mm-hmm. Are we spending our money on schools? Mm-hmm. Uh, are we trying to help families get going uh, you know, with economic assistance, are we mm-hmm. spending our money on the, you know, for example, the Viking Stadium, a billion dollars gone down the tubes uh, so a billionaire could have a stadium. What are our choices we make, mm-hmm. federal government and state government? It's critically important. Mm-hmm. No doubt about so, it. So what are the issues, uh, Mr. Painter, that you are, uh, you know, pushing that's going to benefit not only the African-American community but all of Minnesota? Like, how do you plan on championing, you know, the little guy, those who are feeling, you know, oppressed by the system and, you know, that they're lagging behind because, you know, the numbers look good for Trump right now. You have to admit economically. Oh, but please. how do you plan oh, on either helping to continue that or if you do see there's an issue with that, how to get people, you know, really back to work in terms of also education? Like, how, what are you planning on helping in terms of our schools, um, economic development? Like, so what are, so what are some of your ideas of what you're going to do to improve Minnesota? Okay. Well, we're you know we we've got the economy doing reasonably well. We're in the tail end of a an economic um, expansion. It started a number of years ago. Thanks, uh, Obama. If there's any credit to government, be to President Obama. But I don't <laughs> exactly. really disagree. Think, but okay, okay. okay. numbers okay. numbers speak for themselves. When the economy does well, I don't give much credit to the government. When the economy goes completely hell in a basket. You have to think about where the government's been regulating Wall Street and everything else, and mm-hmm. we certainly had that problem in 2008. But, yep. you know, the economy's chipping along, uh, but uh, the fact of the matter is that many, many Americans are being left behind. Mm-hmm. Many people in rural communities are being left behind, and many people in the inner cities That's are right. being left behind. No doubt about and we need to invest in education, and that includes, uh, you know, K through 12, not only uh, academic education, but trade education, prepare people to go into trades if that's what they choose to do. Mm-hmm. We're not putting our money where we should. We're spending our money on the, you know, at the state level, yes, it's the Vikings football stadium. At right. the national level, of course, it's the military-industrial complex, mm-hmm. which President Eisenhower right. warned against. This is not mm-hmm. a partisan issue, or should not be. The amount of money that goes into military contracts and boondoggle projects, 
we need to focus on what government should be doing, which is education, mm-hmm. helping the younger generation prepare for the future. And we're not doing that at the state level. Mm-hmm. The DFL isn't doing it. Uh, the Republicans certainly aren't going to do it. It's just going to get worse if you elect Tepaw as governor. But at the national <laughs> level, we need to readjust our priorities, mm-hmm. and we need to focus on education. That's our number one issue. Uh, and then we ought to turn to law enforcement. Are we spending our money where we should? Are we running around uh, trying to arrest people for marijuana? Uh, you know, I mean, that's ridiculous. Right. I mean, the whole the, yep. you know, drug war is a, it's a complete disaster. It has been for decades. We ought to be legalizing the marijuana and the other drugs. Uh, the focus ought to be on treatment uh, mm-hmm. for drug addiction. That's not right. On yeah. Criminalization. And what's been going on, we spent a lot of effort, a lot of money, mm-hmm. focusing on drug crimes. Mm-hmm. Disproportionately, uh, it's minorities yep. who are affected, people put in jail uh, for nonviolent offenses where they go off and they learn to become violent criminals. This is not right. It makes mm-hmm. no sense the no. way we're approaching law That's enforcement. That's right. So, so where do you— And we where, can go on down the line. We've got a lot of issues. Yep. So where do you stand on— elected representatives that can take them seriously. So, uh, Mr. Painter, so where do you stand on those who have uh, been impacted by the criminal justice system because they sold, you know, marijuana or, or was in possession of it in the past? And so let's say it is legalized. What do you think should be done to uh, with those individuals? They shouldn't be in jail, and they okay. should have the records wiped clean. The whole thing okay. is ridiculous. It's just like prohibition. My grandfather told me about prohibition, and uh, he he was drinking during prohibition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't give him a criminal yep. record because uh, he didn't get caught. I mean, the whole thing is uh, <laughs> with marijuana is uh, you know it's it's ridiculous, and with the other drugs. Once again, we need to focus on uh, treatment yes. uh, for drug addiction, mm-hmm. focus on the opiates that are being pushed out the door by the big pharmaceutical yep. companies that are destroying I- our communities. We have a, I mean, this is a serious issue uh, with addiction, but we're fighting on the wrong front. Uh, we got Jeff Sessions running around, thinks he's the pot police. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Really what he's trying to do is disproportionately target Mr. Minority. Painter, I like where you're going with this. Uh, can you hold over for us? I got a, just a few more questions for you on the other side of the break. Can you hold over for us? Sure. Okay, we, we got more with um, Mr. Richard Painter on the other side of the break. This is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and Yair Heart Radio. Welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host and homeboy, Jamar Nelson. And I'm Pat Wynn Lawrence. Pat Wynn, you don't even know who that is. Though. Actually, I don't. It's old school, baby. You don't know who I that don't, is? I don't know. So, <laughs> she's deceased now, but Tina Marie. Oh, she deceased. when did she pass away? I think, what, uh, three, four years ago now already? Or oh, maybe okay. longer. Yeah, Tina Marie, she's, uh, she died. Oh, she died. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let, let's uh, get back. We have uh, our United States Senate uh, candidate, uh, Democratic Senate, uh, Richard Painter. Mr. Painter, <clears throat> so I, I actually l- like where you were going with um, how the drug, the quote drug war, which uh, uh, black folks, we don't say that because we know it was actually a war on black folks that was on drugs. Um, so w- what you were saying now, because now, Looks like America started paying attention to the opioid opioid crisis, mm-hmm. and um, they have provided a lot of money for treatment for these those mm-hmm. people. But when the crack epidemic happened, 
they had most of those people were in prison. prison yes. They didn't get treatment. Mm -hmm. And still right now today, they don't give treatment. They give uh, penalties prison. for it, and mm -hmm. penalties are prison. So um, on the federal level, is there something that we could do with that, about that? Well, yes. All the drug uh, uh, you know, the users, I mean, the focus is on uh, you know, treatment if you're addicted. If people are just using pot every now and then, just like I have a cocktail, uh, particularly before I have to watch Fox News, I'll wear I have a cocktail. So anyway, no Me too. if people want to smoke a joint or whatever, that's fine. If people are having trouble with either alcohol or marijuana or you know, some of the other drugs you can get addicted to very quickly. The mm -hmm. answer is treatment, uh, not incarceration. Yes. Uh, we're putting people in jail. It, it's, uh, it's extremely expensive, mm -hmm. uh, and there is a disproportionate impact on African-Americans uh, mm -hmm. because that's where people, been, you know, who, who's been targeted for, uh, for criminal enforcement. And right. so we need to get Jeff Sessions out of the pot police business. Well, I just assumed you get Jeff Sessions out of the Justice Department, but that's another issue. That, that, well, um, that can happen when you get elected, too. You can, you know, we can well, try to make yeah, that happen. Well, you every one of these rascals, but they need to focus on treatment here. It's a lot more effective uh, for people to get treatment for drug abuse rather than using the criminal statutes. We learned that in Prohibition. Mm -hmm. uh, and as I say, I heard stories from my grandfather about they were drinking alcohol in the basement of the safe, uh, down the bank where they had the safe deposit boxes. I mean, it was crazy in the 20s. And mm -hmm. you, you can't prohibit marijuana. People are using it. Why not regulate it, tax it? Uh, and then with the other drugs, if you want to prohibit them, mm -hmm. Don't criminalize this okay. uh, and put the users in prison. Focus on you know treatment for people having drug addiction. Problems. So it's going to be a lot cheaper. So that's like a lot more effective and fair way to deal with it. So that's like a mass incarceration, and and that uh, largely affects minority males, predominantly mm -hmm. black males. So mm -hmm. how do we end mass incarceration, or is there an effective way federally to end mass incarceration? The nonviolent crimes, you want to get people out of prison, yes. okay. I mean, with some exceptions. I mean, treason, you know, some of these Trump people, I mean, I think we got to free up some space for them. But otherwise, uh, you know, the people who are, uh, you know, nonviolent offenders, mm -hmm. uh, we shouldn't be spending a lot of time in prison other than massive financial frauds and some mm -hmm. other nonviolent crimes. But most of these people can move out because if you take nonviolent offenders, particularly drug offenders, you put them in prison. All that's going to happen is they're going to become hardened criminals. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh, that makes no sense. Mm -hmm. Focus no. on trying to help people have a productive career, uh, you know, through trade schools, mm -hmm. education. Mm -hmm. That's where we ought to be putting our money. Uh, it costs as much to uh, put someone in a prison as to send a student to Harvard University. Yeah. It makes more sense to invest in our kids so they can grow up and, you know, figure out what they want to do to become useful citizens and productive contributors to the community. And what we've got right now is a society that is skewing a bunch of people, pushing people toward prison mm -hmm. uh, for minor offenses, disproportionately African-Americans. It yes. makes absolutely no sense what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Mr. Penn, before you go, can we take one phone call? Sure. Okay, let's take a phone call from Patty. Patty, how are you? How's it going? Jamar. Yes. 
How's it going? I met you up at the convention. The old Bob Davis, your nemesis. Oh, good. Thanks for calling. Yeah, you told me to call you sometime. I thought I would. I just happened to be listening to you this afternoon. And uh, I'm listening to this guy that you're interviewing. Right now, we're 18th nationally in school spending. We spend $12,000 a year on, per student in Minneapolis. Why, on God's green earth, would we want to spend more? Why don't we do more with the education system? They raise taxes all the time. Most of those taxes go toward administration. They don't go to the kids at all. Frankly, I don't want to give you all another green nickel or dime for <laughs> right. anything until you can shape yourself up. And right now, what you are doing in the education system in this state and around the country, the Democrats, is lunacy. And as far as legalizing drugs, because some of that's going to make everything better. I worked in a jail a long time. I was a jailer for Ramsey County for years. And I see what's happened in the states where they've legalized marijuana and other drugs. We see what's happening in San Francisco. They're defecating on the streets mm-hmm. and there's needles everywhere. Yeah, real healthy program, isn't it? Up in Seattle and Colorado, those kids are getting a hold of these things. The, what they're doing to kids' brains, the THC that's in marijuana nowadays, and what that's doing to little kids' brains, because now they have easy access to marijuana, is a, it's criminal. So why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. All right. Hello? Well, Mr. Painter, do you have an answer for Patty's question? Yeah, there are serious, uh, serious risks with marijuana, alcohol, and a wide range of drugs we're dealing with in our society. Uh, and we learned in prohibition, you don't use the criminal law enforcement mechanism to deal with drug abuse. Mm-hmm. You use education and treatment. Mm-hmm. That is the answer. What we've been doing with the war on drugs is we've been putting a lot of people in prison, running up the cost of the American taxpayer, teaching people to become hardened criminals, and we have not solved our drug problem. Mm-hmm. So I am the first person to say that addiction to drugs, whether it's alcohol, marijuana, or any other drug, is a serious problem for our society. The debate here is about how to deal with it in an effective manner that is cost-efficient, that actually produces results, and is not racially discriminatory. Mm-hmm. We have a disproportionate number of African Americans serving time in prison mm-hmm. for minor offenses. But, well, how does this, to go to Patty's question, though, more specifically, you know, it seems like people have been requesting we need to spend more money on education. We need to be throwing more money at it. But it seems like it's actually the problem is the curriculum and how things are working around, you know, uh, around our education system. So what specifically, how would you, what would you do better with the money and the resources to, um, you know, better the education of uh, Minnesotans? Young people need to be taught about the problems of addiction, whether it's alcohol or drugs, uh, you know, at a young age. That is a serious issue. And when people get into trouble with addiction, we need treatment right out of the box, early on, uh, so they can get, out, you know, get control of their lives. That's critically important. We need to devote the funds to those programs. Uh, but using the criminal justice system to solve this problem is not going to work. It just simply doesn't work. And I'm interested in practical solutions to problems. Not saying there's a problem, getting upset and wanting to throw, you know, you know, the police at the problem and you know, it's not it's not working. We've tried that for decades. Uh, second, 
create more economic opportunities yes. for people. Okay. Uh, so they have alternatives to drug abuse, mm-hmm. to joining gangs, to engaging in criminal conduct. Create more opportunities, mm-hmm. job training, mm-hmm. skills training. At the, you know, in the high school, Especially for you need yeah. to train people for yeah. trades, mm-hmm. not just academics, which are critically important, but also for trades. Invest our money in K through 12, also preschools. Uh, so, you know, their kids can know that there's a much better life for them other than drug abuse and gangs and street violence. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And that's why you're running. And so we wish you good luck. And thank you for joining us. And hopefully maybe next week we can get a debate with uh, Senator Smith if she'll <laughs> stop knocking on doors for a while and uh, 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 be brave enough to debate you, Mr. Payne. So we're, uh, oh, real quick, where can um, people find you at? And, your, uh, what's your I'll website? I'll bring the donut. She has a great donut out, so I'll bring the donut. <laughs> what's your website that people can find you at, Mr. Mr. Painter, you're, you're, so how can people reach out to you if they want to help with the campaign, uh, learn more about you? It's PainterMinnesota.com. Well, thank you for joining us. website, PainterMinnesota.com. Also right. got a Twitter, uh, RWP USA. I tweet out there every now and then every time Donald Trump upsets me, which is <laughs> every couple of hours. You tweet <laughs> every day, then. We said every couple of hours. All right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Appreciate well, you, Mr. Well, thank Painter. you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Man, we got a lot more, but we got to take a break. So, yeah. Mike, don't Mike, hang hold up. on, Mike. We got uh, Jeff Johnson Jeff on the coming. other side of the break. We got more. This is Black Republican, Black Democrat on Twin Cities News Talk and your iHeartRadio. Welcome back, Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co host and homeboy. Jamar Nelson. I'm Pat Wynn Lawrence. Ooh, trying to get. What are you trying to do? Put pitching. You try to. I'm, I'm Pat Wynn Lawrence. You try to be sexy on the phone. I, I am sexy. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm Pat Wynn Lawrence. Oh, okay. Excuse me, Pat Wynn Lawrence. Well, we need to spend money on mental health too. So that's I know. Another. We should, fix, we should fi- fix you. We're gonna try to fix you. Let's bring in our next guest, who is running for governor. Our gubernatorial uh, guest is Jeff Johnson. Uh, who is also right currently uh, Hennepin County Commissioner, but right now is the endorsed a Republican endorsed candidate. How are you, Mr. Johnson? I'm doing great. How are you guys? I'm great. How are doing you? Well. Well, thank Thanks you for it. joining us. I'm actually up in Detroit Lakes. We have been campaigning today, and this is my hometown, so I am. Uh, right. I'm, I, I took a step out of Zorba's to talk to you guys. All right. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, actually, so now. Right now, you guys uh, and the Republican Party are having it's, it's becoming pretty testy between you and Palenti. Um, now, you're doing a lot of uh, of saying Palenti should not be in the race, so he's not good for Minnesota, which I happen to agree with you. So go figure. You and I agree on that, right? <laughs> okay, no doubt. Yay. But why do you seriously? Why do you feel that uh, T-Paw is not good for Minnesota again? Well, I'll tell you why I'm better. I'd rather approach it that way. Yeah, why are you? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, I'm sorry. Let me try that again. Why are you better uh, than <laughs> Tipa? You. you know, it depends on how you're looking at it. If you're a Republican who is concerned about winning, which I am, I think I'm a much stronger candidate in November because mm-hmm. I can share a vision about the future of Minnesota. And I think if, if the election is about 
my vision versus the DFL vision, I think we got a great shot of winning. Mm-hmm. If Kim's the candidate, it's going to be a referendum on the past. It'll That's be right. about his eight years as governor. It'll be about his lobbying for big banks and where is he really at on Trump. We don't win that race. I, I, I worry that if it's a referendum on him rather than two visions for the future. So that's part of it. The other part is I, I think I'll be a very different – I know I'll be a very different governor. We essentially know what to expect from Tim because he had eight years, mm-hmm. and we saw him you know, tell his agencies to run a little more efficiently, which is good. But I didn't see him make any real positive fundamental change to the state because anything he did do that a Republican would like was gone within about six months of him leaving because the Democrats took over and just switched it all back. Uh, I'm I'm going to bring much more fundamental change to government. My whole purpose is to change the culture in our state agencies, mm-hmm. which I think we need to do if you want lasting change that doesn't just stick around for four or eight years. So, so could Black- you give us some specifics, though, of like what is your agenda, particularly as it relates to the African-American community? Um, how are you uh, what is in your vision of how you want to run the state of Minnesota? Uh, how how do you want to improve the quality of lives for you know African-Americans and everyone else as, uh, as well? So what are some specifics? Sure. And, you know, I'm, honestly, I'm going to look at it as everyone as opposed to one group or another. But I think people should keep more of what they earn because I think we take uh, much too much from people. I think entrepreneurs in this state who want to start a, a little business from scratch ought to have much less influence and interference from government than what they're seeing right now. I think if we take certain steps to um, uh, to change how government is treating health insurance, it will create more options for people, especially for those who are struggling and might need some help with their health insurance. And when I talk about changing the culture from our state agencies or in our state agencies, you know, that is very personal to almost everyone I talk to, but it's always in a different way. So if I talk to somebody who either runs or wants to start an in-home child care center, for example, and I talk to them about reining in the DHS so that they aren't essentially uh, regulated out of business. That's real personal for them. Or if I talk to a, you know, a sportsman or a sportswoman about how the DNR treats them and whether the DNR actually listens to them when they are sharing their opinion about uh, the deer herd or, or uh, you know, a fishery, um, that's very personal for people. I could say the same thing about the Department of Education for those people who are concerned about more choice mm-hmm. uh, for their kids or more choice as parents for where they send their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from. I think we should put power in the hands of people and government should just have a, a less of an influence on our lives. Well, so here's the thing. Uh, uh, being a Democrat, uh, and this might seem a bit impartial <laughs> but no seriously uh black minnesotans uh we tend to we're not we we aren't doing well at all here in minnesota let's just That's be right. real we aren't whether it's a republican or democrat now governor dayton has done things but now when you talk about education the budget shortfall the inner city schools are have been dramatically hit 33 million dollars pretty large as governor, what do you do to prevent a go- uh, another budget shortfall? Because we had lost over 400 staff members, mm-hmm. and that's that, when you look at the uh, crucial programs that are that 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 cuts. What do we do about that? You're governor. Well, Jamar, I don't believe the answer is is in more money because we have seen increases in K-12 spending year after year after year. I think the last time that there was actually a cut in K-12 spending was probably 12 or 14 years ago. 
And we actually saw a huge increase in K-12 spending just last year. But then all of a sudden we learned this year that all these schools are, are you know, far, far in the red. Hmm. So it's, it, it, it's and, and we've increased the spending for 40 years as we continue to have one of the worst achievement gaps in the country. Absolutely, so me, yes. Money's important, but money is clearly not the answer to that That's problem, right. at oh. least by itself. And so, so mm-hmm. to me, it means, it means engaging parents, at least the parents who want to be engaged, and giving them some control over their own kids' education. I think it means, um, frankly, backing the state off of teachers and allowing teachers to teach in the classroom in the way that they think is most effective. So sometimes, you know, I believe that uh, some of our curriculum requirements tend to be a bit overbearing because every kid learns differently and every teacher is effective in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, I I happen to think that our local school boards and the, the principals and teachers in our schools know best how to effectively educate kids. So some of the mandates that we pass down from on high at the state level are hindering the effectiveness of our schools. So to me, it is not just, you know, the fact that that some schools are are in dire straits money-wise because we have increased funding at pretty much every biennium since, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe the mid-90s. And that's not solving the problem. I, I think it is embarrassing that we have, one of the worst achievement gaps in the country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, overall, our K-12 education system is pretty good. It's not great. It used to be great. It's pretty good mm-hmm. compared to most states. But the fact that it is pretty good for about, I don't know, whatever, the majority of the kids and absolutely horrible for a small minority of the kids is that's just so wrong. Mm-hmm. So, so sounds like I got two questions for you before we let you go because I know you're <laughs> busy with your family. But one, does that sound like a voucher system? And and I've evolved. I'm okay with school choice and mm-hmm. uh, uh, having my child go out into uh, another area to learn and get a better education. I'm okay with that. But however, isn't it incumbent um, upon those neighborhoods, the county, the state, to make sure that those kids that are coming from the inner cities are welcomed out there and the programs are there to help welcome those kids in there? And then here's the other thing. Uh, Republican, the relationship with Republicans and black folks has totally eroded, especially now that you have Donald Trump in office. So the fact that Republicans want the inner city votes. Don't you have to go around and forge relationships with them beyond uh, the the election cycle? And how do you do that as governor? And have you done that so far? Have you knocked on doors and asked black folks for their votes? Yeah. So uh, two separate questions. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. One, voucher. No, no, that's okay. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> they're, and they're both good questions. So with respect to vouchers, yes, I would support that. Okay. Certainly in schools that we would define as failing, and you have to define that. That's okay. you know mm-hmm. the, the details there. So I think choice is really important. But mm-hmm. frankly, when I talk to parents, especially single moms in North Minneapolis who are upset with their school. They would rather not send their kid to yes, Woodbury. That's right. They'd rather right. change the school that their kid is in. Mm-hmm. And right. So, to me, I think that there are ideas out there that other states have tried. One's called a parent trigger that we should try. And we should just keep trying them until we figure out something that makes this better. Mm-hmm. But the parent trigger says if, if you're in a school that is failing, and again, you have to define that, then the parents in that school actually get to have a referendum. And if, you know, by some supermajority, those parents say we no longer have confidence in this school, then they have control to make changes, whether it's to replace the administration or create a charter school or hand mm-hmm. out vouchers. Um, it actually puts control in the hands of the parents yeah. to change the school their kids already in, which to me 
is is the better path than than making them send them to some other part of the state. Um, with respect to asking for the votes of minorities, um, I, you know, I, I can't say I've been knocking on doors. I haven't been knocking on doors anywhere, but I have. As, I mean, one thing That's that real. sets me apart in this race is that I've been on the Hennepin County Board for nine years. And although I represent western and northwestern Hennepin County, a great deal of our focus in the county is on Minneapolis, especially north Minneapolis, because that's where a lot of the, the biggest challenges are. And so after the last election four years ago, uh, before I was thinking about what, whether I would run in this race or not, I decided to go out and start meeting with people in north Minneapolis who I considered community leaders who didn't call themselves community leaders. They, they weren't the ones who wanted to get in front of the cameras. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They were the ones who were teaching in some tough schools. They were the ones who were trying to make a small business work on, you know, in North Minneapolis where it's really hard to do. And I probably met with, I don't know, 20 or 25 mm-hmm. of them over the course of a couple of years. Some of them said, don't tell anybody you met with me, but here's what I think. Mm-hmm. And my question to them was, we're spending a lot of money in Hennepin County to try to make life better here, and it doesn't seem to be working very well. What are we doing well that we could do, in, you know, we could do more of? And what are we doing wrong? And, I, you know, I heard some interesting things, and to me, that's really important. I'm just a believer that if you want to solve a problem, mm-hmm. you have to first go to the people who are on the ground there. Absolutely. So whether right. it's a farming issue, then we should include farmers in yes. the solution. That's if right. it is, how do we make life better for a, a certain community, then those people in the community then. should be on the ground helping solve the problem. Word, word. No, I know that about it. And look, you got to come back. Yes. Uh, and I actually, let's be, truth be told, this is quite short notice, and yep. Jeff totally accommodated us, so we totally appreciate yes, that. You. So we owe you, and we'll definitely have you back <laughs> on really uh, soon so that you can uh, explain your, uh, your platform and we give you more, more time. time. So uh, we really appreciate you uh, uh Calling being on yep. for us we do appreciate you very much yeah thank you guys and i i uh i would love to be back on uh, you will so maybe in the next few weeks we can absolutely let's try that. to have you on before primary no doubt okay that's great thanks man all right thank you all right thank you guys man uh we got to <laughs> man pat see yeah. I, I love this I know, Keep it mike hold on we're coming to you we're all coming <laughs> to you we got more on the other side of the break this is black republican black democrat on your twin cities new talk and your iHeartRadio. radio Welcome back to Black Republican, Black Democrat. I'm your co-host and homeboy, Jamar Nelson. I'm Patwin Lawrence. Welcome back. Yeah. You know who That's this? a good song, Janet Jackson. And who else? Who's singing with it? It's, there's nobody else singing with it. He's this. the... It's a duet, and he's only the greatest... Oh, oh Luther Vandross. Oh, thank yeah. you. Jeez Louise. <laughs> but nobody else was singing at the moment. Well, you know, I, I most of the time when I start singing, I get mistaken for being Luther. Okay, so let's go to Mike. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Mike, man, thanks for holding. Yes, thanks for holding. <laughs> Not a problem. Good show, guys. Thank thanks. you. Thanks for taking my call. And um, Oh, thanks for being patient and waiting on us. Oh, yeah. So many things went through my head there over the last uh, few minutes there. And um, with Mr. Painter, I think he was formerly a Republican. Yeah, that yeah that's correct. No doubt. And, um... I was just going to make some comments, and then I had a question. But sure. oh, for one of him, one of our guests. Answer this question: Was was Dr. King was a registered Republican, wasn't he? Yeah, that's he right. Yep. Yeah. And I guess where I'm going with this is historically, the Democrats may have done some good things 
for the African-American black community. But I see the Democrats more as a detriment to the African-American community. And when he was talking about the drug war, and I'll just, here's a quick aside. I come from the perspective is that they should legalize drugs across the board, make people responsible for the behavior, get rid of this narco drug industry and all the mayhem we have south of the border Mm -hmm. and all this law enforcement. It save a lot of money and we can get on with our business of liberty and enjoying life in the country. But it was Bill Clinton and the Clinton administration that brought in the three strikes. You had, I believe, you had the crack cocaine epidemic going on there. Well, well a little let forward, me, yeah, let me let, let, back. Go let back me a little you. bit because the last few minutes we'll give it to you. So hold on, let, let's 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 dissect this. Number one, let's remember the kind of war on black folks and drugs started under the Reagan administration, and if you watch, uh, and if they'll tell you that it was actually done because the explosion of the crack mm-hmm. and there's cocaine. Mm-hmm. So the cocaine powder cocaine is considered a white collar white man's drug mm-hmm. crack cocaine was considered a black, black. drug mm-hmm. so they now started imposing more they said how do we rid ourselves of this crime mm-hmm. right so they started imposing tougher sentences on black folks that on crack cocaine mm-hmm. than that of uh powder cocaine powder cocaine right well let's be fair then let's just say that Republicans and Republican administrations have an equal opportunity to follow up as well. Mm -hmm. No doubt. And I also go back to, uh, if you look, if you've done some reading, or Dinesh D'Souza talks about it, the bargain that the black community made back in the 30s when they switched their allegiance Mm -hmm. from Republicans to Democrats. Now, fast forward, you look at the intact families, like in the 50s, it was much better. But now once you implement the Great Society, and this applies equally to either a white family. I don't look at it through identity politics. I think the welfare state is not good for a condition of liberty mm-hmm. and increased opportunity. Mm-hmm. Now you've got a group of groups of people beholden to the government, and we see this continue in perpetuity that mm-hmm. – I'm going I'm to keep voting for these guys because I'm going to get my table scraps, if you will, when really what people want is an opportunity and a way to move forward. No doubt. We and, certainly and, do. So, so my let me, last question so, is, okay. or question, I see somebody like Ocasio mm-hmm. talk about free. There is no such thing as free. Somebody's got to pay. Yes. And the question I'd like to ask some of these Democrats, mm-hmm. what is the rule and how is the black community or everybody – economic opportunity and liberty can improve if you just in one swell swoop just let anybody who wants to come into the country come in how mm-hmm. is that going to help if you don't i mean jamar you have to mouse the feet at your house you can't just have untold amounts of people and i would think there has to be some rational sane process to allow people to come in and so what is the democrats rule for people coming in across our borders because i haven't heard anything look i think let me let me help you on two fronts because we got that <laughs> number one mike the three strike rules president clinton let's remember between 92 and 95 milwaukee uh minnesota baltimore mm-hmm. dc gun violence had exploded exploded i lost uh, uh two friends that year remember minnesota had been dubbed murderapolis within yeah. that time okay uh so let's who brought remember, in the guns. So everybody, exactly, yeah, who brought in the guns? So uh, remember, everybody from black, white, pink, and purple, no mayors, governors, had was telling the president, "What do you do? Help us in this." 
So the president said, look, I'm going to come up with these three strikes. Because let's be honest, it isn't first, it wasn't uh, non-violent offenders going out committing these gun crimes. It was repeat offenders, mm-hmm. gang members that mm-hmm. are c- committing these mm-hmm. crimes. So he came up with the three strikes rule because most of the time, again, most of the offenders were convicted felons before. So it's not the President Clinton's fault with state, how states misuse the law. Pat, you talk about yeah, that, okay? Least, yeah, the, the so, law is not the law. It's okay. the application. So you're going to get me and Pat into it about this. So <laughs> uh, states did what they wanted to do with how President Clinton helped them. Mm-hmm. Now, as far as you're talking about uh, 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 illegal immigrants, here's how, where I stand. I think that no doubt about it that you should come in here legally. But we know that they don't because they come in here for a different way of life. We should ha- have an extreme vetting system mm-hmm. that vets these people, mm-hmm. not mistreats them, but vets them. Yes. Um, there should be, uh, and, and when they come in, mm-hmm. we should know, vet them so that they could become American citizens, whether they got to wait three, four, five years. We should give them, either you should go to, you should fight in the war, you, mm-hmm. that you should be, uh, make sure you commit no crimes, mm-hmm. you're gainfully employed, school, things like that. We should even forgive them, make sure that they have an easier way uh, into our country. But I think that let's be realistic that there's always loopholes and there's always going to be those mm-hmm. who come in with drugs or just come in illegally anyway. Mm-hmm. So it makes the people that want to come in that are doing it now, what do they call them? Right, uh, not right of passages, um, the people uh, that to go. Refugees? Uh, not the refugees, but the place that they go to, uh, uh, Trump is telling them to go uh, turn themselves into uh, so that they don't get uh, in prison. Point I'm sorry. Point of entry, asylum. Of there you go. Thank you. Okay. Point of entry. There you go. So when you have this point of entry, those people, there's a way to mm-hmm. not imprison them, but put their name in the system. Mm-hmm. Jamar, yes. don't you know, I mean, that that railroad, if you will, that runs from the south up here, those people know all those things. I, I cannot yeah. hardly believe that they don't know that this is the proper way yeah. to yeah. achieve asylum. Well, I think what's going on here is just to overwhelm the system. That's right. Because you heard about all of the backlogs of all of these cases, and these yes. people are released, and they, they go right into the country. So, so Mike, let me answer your your question. So you're, you're absolutely right. So the issue is, let's go back to with African-Americans voting for uh, Democrats. So, yeah, so this change did start in the 30s under um, FDR with the New Deal. And so the way that New Deal was able to, you know, actually come into effect where um, FDR worked with the senators, particularly the southern senators, to kind of get the, the southern votes. So they started putting together these coalitions. But with the southern senators, what FDR had to do was not so much focus on on civil rights issues, because then that would have lost the, his Southern senators' support, you know, to be able to pass that legislation. And so that's how that occurred. But then when you move forward, so when we started, when the Democrats started doing more visible things for uh, for the African-American population, particularly Northern Democrats, because it was Northern Democrats Davis and Northern choices. Republicans and some of the Southern Republicans that passed the civil rights um, bill. I know a lot of Republicans like to say, well, no, Democrats voted for the civil rights. That's not true. Northern Democrats were supportive and you had like Hubert Humphrey back in 48 oh, that's man. really when the big change started when he was at yep. the 1948 yep. convention Minnesota so, was big with yes, the civil absolutely. rights and, absolutely. and, and, and Walter Mondale as well yep. so you Real have to give Democrats. credit where credit yep. is due but what F, what LBJ did he used it in a negative sense and so um you know, saying with his great society and the whole welfare state where, you know, he's going to have these inwards voting Democrat for the next 200 years, as he said. Hey, well, Mike, what thanks he for the did, call, bro. 
We're what out of he time. did, unfortunately, is you couldn't have a man in the House. And so what they did, that broke up families. But Republicans also contributed to that with the drug war because you have to think about how that disproportionately impacted inner city communities, black communities, with men now going to jail with mass incarceration. So then women can't find suitable mates to then, you know, have families and to, you know, live from the workforce. So that had a very traumatic impact. So it's both Democrats and Republicans. But I would agree that Republicans have historically done more oh, for no, Americans than Democrats. You're have. not going to get the last word for saying that well, crap. No, but that, You're not going to go on your correct. vacation spreading that crap. Uh, well, it's the truth. No. And I have history that backs it up. Oh, please. And I have history because, that says, says this. Different. But what we have Democrats done for African Americans? Oh, what are Republicans doing? You can't oh, name substantive really? things. I can really? name substantive things that historically really? that Republicans Kennedy have done. Kennedy didn't do anything. Clinton back. didn't do anything. We can go all the way back too. No, no, not for Roosevelt the didn't do good things for black folks. Stop. No, okay. no, no, Pat, no. We gotta go. We, we do gotta go. You're going on we vacation. We can talk about it in the next in, the, in our. Get out of here, ladies okay. and gentlemen. I'm Jamar Nelson. <laughs> I'm Pat Lawrence. This is what we do every week. And this I'm going on vacation. Bye, ladies.